Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. Last month, we briefly touched upon the Black Lives Matter movement and our support of that movement. As a podcast that often discusses topics that affect the Western J fashion community specifically, we frequently consider how we can bring non-J fashion specific issues into the scope of J fashion. After all, our fashion doesn't exist within a vacuum. Intersections involving politics, environment, and culture within the community are endless, but not all of them are at the forefront of everyone's minds. To help us figure out how we can raise awareness for unfrequented issues is Jade, the blogger behind Jaded Island. But before we get into that, let's do our monthly news and updates. Kamila, I'm very excited for yours because I've seen the posts already and I, I want to talk about them. Yeah, so last month we were talking about how me and Monique, a previous guest and one of my best friends, were working on a Decora comic strip called Emptying the Clips. And now that comic strip is now up on Instagram and Facebook to post already on time. We're really excited about that consistency and going back and forth. I was wondering how the the readers were going to react to that. But I think everyone's been able to follow along just as well, uh, especially since it's kind of episodic. The first post was more about losing your clips all the time. And then my post that I contributed was about people walking up to you and asking you what your fashion means and them still not understanding what it means, even when you try to put it in the simplest of terms. They're so relatable, which is the best part. I think that relatability aspect is key for any episodic comic strippy style comic like you look at I don't know fucking family circus and it's funny because it's relatable well family circus isn't really that funny anymore but (laughs) it used to be (laughs) yeah I'm hoping to like keep that relatability up throughout our comics it's not like anybody specifically asked us for this, like, oh, we need a relatable comic strip about Decora, but um, me and Monique felt like that, like that's what we needed. <laughs> so um, I always really like those um, relatability, like comics and the slice of life, little comics and stuff. Sometimes when I'm going through like a hard time and I see a comic that's like, the character is going through that same thing and it's just like, what, how could I do this? And I'm just like, yes, exactly. Like it's cathartic (laughs) to see that. Now is as good a time as any to kind of reflect on the little funny things about our fashion. Especially because a lot of these, I suspect are gonna be like your personal experiences. It can also just be a time to reflect and like how you feel. I'm low-key imagining a, like, Lizzie McGuire-style comic where it's like, I wish I did this, but that didn't really happen. Yeah, we are definitely going to have a few different, like, comments on just, like, the the good and the bad, because there's, like, really good things, and then there's, like, things that we're just like, oh, we probably should not have done that. That's going to be a part of it as well. It's been really fun drawing it, too, because in the comic, we're together, like me and Monique, whereas, like, we live states apart. They live mm-hmm. in California, and I'm in Chicago. With everything going on, we're probably not going to see each other anytime soon. So in the comic world, our little, like, alter ego placeholders are able to hang out together and experiencing these things together rather than apart. Can we also talk about the little outtakes that you made for your first comic that you uploaded? I haven't uploaded them yet because I was I'm trying to figure out like, oh, should I make it like a post post or just put it in the story, Instagram or Facebook story or something? In one of the comics, my character is like explaining to a non-J fashion person what the fashion is. And she has this little like wholesome face that kind of looks like, ah, yes, I'm going to explain this thing. 
And I really wanted to put in some really like effed up stuff that she could say in the bubble. <laughs> like, like hard truths or hard pills to swallow inside of the word bubble instead. So definitely pay attention to Instagram and Facebook stories because I'm probably going to be posting it there because I've already made up a few different like hard to swallow pill statements that she could say, including cursing. So yeah, I'll probably put it in the story. I don't know what our demographic is. (laughs) So hopefully in the story, people won't be so, you know, like, ah, curse words. (laughs) But yeah, I got to put my little hard decora spin on there. Your logo is a take on the skull and crossbones, so I would assume that anyone looking, like, kind of recognizes, oh, this isn't just cutesy shit. Uh, exactly. Like, me and Monique are definitely not just cutesy shit, so. (laughs) We shall see. I'm excited for those to go up. Me too. So on my end, last month I talked about creative blocks in making coordinates and I am pleased to say that I have finally hung up most of my J Fashion wardrobe. There's only a few articles that I need to get a couple more hangers for and already I am feeling so much more inspired. It does also help that I am back at work now and I have to wear clothes and like get myself together. But now that things are all hung up and I can see everything, things being on hangers makes it easier to try out different layerings of pieces. So already the inspiration is flowing. Last night, I came up with three new cohort ideas just by looking at it because I would pull an item out. I'm like, oh my God, this would look so good with this. Why didn't I ever think of that before? Why? What the fuck? And it's because all of my items were folded in drawers and some of my items were hanging up so I could never see them all together. So now that it's all hung up, I am finally able to really get those good, unique, and fun, and interesting cohorts out, and I'm very, very excited. Still don't have a place to take great photos, really, Uh, but that'll be phase two, (laughs) and we will get there someday. Who knows? I mean, Chicago is now in phase four of reopening, which I've forgotten the meanings of all the phases. But yeah, I am very interested to see Hayden's phases as, you know. (laughs) I'm thinking that maybe I'll get like a little rug or like a runner to put in front of my closet and then just hang up a bunch of art on my closet doors because they're like sliding wooden doors. So there's no worrying about pulling off a poster and the tape ripping off paint. That may be an idea just so I don't have to constantly go outside to take pictures. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Besides, you know, my own little personal coordinate positivity, we vaguely touched upon this last month. Our Patreon is almost at its first goal, which is extremely, extremely exciting. It has been our goal to get enough monthly patrons to, one, sustain us on SoundCloud, and two, finally open up a website for the podcast, which would help us be more searchable, and we are almost there. Our goal is $45 a month. We are currently at $42 a month, but there are like patron fees that come out of that. So we're more at like 40 bucks a month. So we just need a few more patrons to head on over there, become a one or $3 patron and help us get to our goal. It's super exciting. Yeah, because if we like get a website, then we could like, sell things or something like maybe some buttons that have like okay podcasts on them don't you want our faces on your titties (laughs) i know in a shirt i mean in a shirt not pasties though that would be cool (laughs) (laughs) so please help us (laughs) be able to to do that because we definitely want to be more involved and like communicate more with you guys I am also starting a once 
per week, once bi-weekly post on our Patreon. I missed the last week, I think, because things got weird and I started work again. But I'm starting to post more often on there, getting more community interaction. So if you want to chat with us, feel free to hit us up there. And I am getting caught up with patron content. Every so often, I kind of slip a little bit. Thank you guys for being easy on me with the pandemic, because that just kind of threw a wrench into all of my progress, because I got caught up, and then I got depressed for a good two and a half, three months, because life is in shit. But I am getting back on track. Now that I'm getting back to work and I have a semblance of a schedule, I'm feeling much more motivated to do stuff, and we are coming together. This year has been a shithole roller coaster, but we are we have some toilet paper with us. Don't worry. We're gonna salvage what we can from it. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to add as an update, I know it's already passed, but the J Fashion new our event that I was a part of. It was being hosted through the J Fashion On Demand Twitch, which has been doing some other events too, like in collaboration with Teco and in collaboration with Paradiso. So I'd keep an eye on that channel. It was really cool. Um, we had like a indie designer panel that featured me, Moss Badger, um, Samantha Ray, and Lilith et Adalia. And then I also hosted a Black J Fashion Confidence with Hard Decora panel. And there was also a Black Gadu guide. And then also Dolly Momo. She was also a part of this event as well. And I think that J Fashion On Demand is doing some other like mini panels and stuff like that as they come up. So I'd keep an eye on that Twitch. They also have a Discord. So I see that little burgeoning atmosphere coming up. And if any other digital events come up, I'll be sure to make a note of that and mention it here. That's really exciting because it feels like an American NHK, but better. Right. Not filled with anti-blackness and uh, grossness. I hope to, to see it like keep growing and eventually have like a like an Instagram, a Facebook, and then like I don't know what their plans are. I just feel like it's a neat idea. You know, I feel that panels are a little bit better of a medium than meets for live streaming just because there's a bit more cohesion and I think having an outline or a schedule makes things run a little smoother and it makes people feel a little more comfortable. Whereas meets, it's just very nebulous and it feels like people are pressured to talk, you know? Right, right, yeah. And because there's no activity to do on the online meet. So it's just like, oh, what are we to talk about? Or if we don't want to talk, what are we supposed to experience? So I feel like, yeah, the panel is probably way better suited for, for online. They also use the event to raise, I think, about $1,000 for the Okra, wow. Okra project. It's a good cause, and it gets a good amount of people looking at the panels and the videos and stuff like that and getting involved. I'm really excited to see more stuff and maybe we can be involved. Ooh, yes. Need to get in there. And without further ado, let's head on over to our commercial break. Hey y'all, it's Hayden. It's Kamala. We've talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a Garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to 
to the show. Woo! And welcome back. Today we are going to be sitting down with Jade to discuss awareness. Jade is a Maryland-based magical girl, and she is the pink energy-inspired writer behind the social media platform Jaded Island. Her work is based on the perspectives of a Kauai Black femme sharing personal narratives and storytelling in all forms. She is invested in the narratives for Black femmes, Kauai lifestyles, and creative writing. And her work can be found at jadedisland.com and on social media at jadedisland. Hi, Jade. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I should ask how you guys are doing, actually. Uh, things have been really crazy, and you guys were the last people that I interacted with before everything went down with the pandemic. I think overall, I'm doing all right, just rolling with the waves as best as I can. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the same boat as you, Hayden, as far as like in the beginning, I felt more like, oh, yes, this is great. This is going to be, well, not great, but like I could <laughs> see the pros in it and try to enjoy what I could from the shelter in place experience. And then now I'm kind of like, okay, so yeah, that's cool that I have time to draw or something. But what feeds into my creativity is, is experiencing things, seeing really cool scenery, hanging out with people, traveling and stuff. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, so I'm not really like feeding myself in that way. I'm also just very much craving social interaction at this point. You know, now that we don't know like when we're going to be able to like hang out with people anymore, it's like becoming even more mind numbingly boring and the grieving is really starting to hit me now like I didn't experience much grieving at the beginning until now uh so a late bloomer in that regard I think in my case my problem was as an introvert I overestimated how long I could be an introvert in one space I didn't realize how much I relied on going out as a way to challenge my introversion and like come on as said to experience things it's it's kind of hard to be an introvert when your next Netflix queue is almost yes. empty because you've watched everything there is. <laughs> no, it's very scary that my watch list has gotten so small. Yeah, I'm on Catfish right now, so... Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just on trash TV at this point. And making up anime versions of Catfish stories. So, yeah, so that's probably my next outlet <laughs> on Wattpad. <laughs> oh, this is the perfect time for any writers to do fan fiction and to get their novel done. I I say that as a as a lecture to myself because I should have gotten way more work done. But oh, mood. It is what it is. <laughs> Same. My novel should be like so much further along, and I haven't touched it in months. I call it the like the pandemic creative block because that's what I've been experiencing for most of it. I was just like, wow, pandemic. I guess I can do things, and then I just don't do things the entire time. So, when and how did you get into Jade Fashion? Middle school is where I had my first taste of it. I peeked at it. It like popped up in my life. I experienced it through anime first and then I kind of like looked into it. I think the first thing I watched with J Fashion was about Gyaru. There's a documentary that popped up that I never found ever again for some reason. I've been looking for it this entire time. But in 2018 is when I actually started dressing in J Fashion and other alternative styles. Graduating from college was, I guess, the, the moment that I had my, my growth and metamorphosis. I was allowed to dress how I wanted, be who I wanted, express myself, and like let everything loose. It's just a whole bunch of pink chaos, but I'm okay with that because it's a way of being myself that I didn't get to experience in college. After having those two years to really explore yourself, how would you describe your current style in J fashion? So I do a mix of styles. I can never say that I'm with one style like forever. I'm just, I can't, I'm not that consistent, you know? <laughs> I would love to say that I'm organized enough for it, but I'm not. So I have a mix of Yami Kwai, Medi Kwai, and Zakora. All of those things inspire my current style. And I mentioned in our previous recording, that it pink is the glue of my style so everything no matter like what it is there's some pink elements into whatever i'm wearing that's a fantastic glue i mean you can find pink virtually in all the styles yeah and i find that i can experience pink in almost every sub style so even if i want to try fairy k 
or I mean I haven't tried Gyaru yet but I, I think about it I'm like I could do that with pink like I can do everything with pink yep <laughs> <laughs> I think you would be a good candidate for Hime I've been looking at Hime a lot more lately because it's been popping up on my feed and it looks like something that I would do very well at I also really have a deep love for gothic fashion so I have so much black clothing but you would never know that because all my pictures lately have been pink and I could always go back <laughs> When you started wearing J-Fashion, is that when you were inspired to make the Jaded Island blog? Or did you start the blog, like, long before you started, like, wearing the styles? I started the blog roughly around the same time, but I started writing first as a way to, like, process my feelings out of college. And then I started writing more for fashion and pop culture and just my experiences in general. I think that my blog started as a way to really pull everything together in my life. It's like, I don't know if you know anything about my OCs, but my um, my original characters are, are extensions of myself and they all just collect together on Jaded Island because that's like the home of like all my imagination, my storytelling, my experiences, my thoughts. It just all spills out and it's it's very pink, yes, but it's still it's still my world and I'm, I'm very proud of it. Jaded Island is literally Jade's Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a clever it's a clever little nickname that I came up with, and I've been going by that handle for a few years now, and I, and I haven't like deviated away from it yet. So that's that's important. So you kind of just like started it as a literal blog experience of just like yeah, I'm feeling these things about being out of school, and then eventually it came into, I'm really interested in alternative fashion and J fashion and things like that, and I'm going to write more about those topics. Yeah, so Jaded Island is really just, it's a, like a really big experience of radical self-love and digital expression. There's a lot of history about my writing that is very like off the pages. Like I've been writing for a very long time, and I've had previous blogs before Jaded Island, but Jaded Island, I would say, would be my last, because it's the it's what everything led up to. It's like the domino thing. Creating this platform has been like the accumulation of that journey and I can see all my growth and all the skills that I've learned in this one space. So it's it's a big pink bubble, but it's it's my passion. It's my dream. Right. Like you're a, you're a writer. You're not just like, oh, okay, I'm someone who does other things and then I, I write on the side like that is your main passion. Exactly. And plus, I get to write for myself. I mean, I'm I'm really terrible with authority figures, so it helps to, like that I have this space to write and not have someone be like, you should write about how many ways you can curl your hair in the morning. Like, I, I would hate that. So having my own space means I can dictate what I want to write about and I can choose my topics and the amount of energy I want to invest into it. On the topic of your subjects, your blog has always featured thoughts on the alternative fashion world from a black femme perspective, along with other topics. With the recent international protests against police brutality in the U.S., how did you go about raising awareness for the Black Lives Matter movement in relation to the Kauai fashion community? You know, J Fashion is a very colorist and East Asian centric fashion and aesthetic and having a black femme perspective on this, it's an intersection that is very important. So how did you try to raise that awareness for BLM in relation to kawaii fashion? So it's so weird. Um, I have this platform, but I'm so used to working locally and person to person in my immediate community that I really forget about how much information is out there for different movements, but specifically the Black Lives Matter movement. And there's an overwhelm of information right now for that movement and many, many others. When I started thinking about how much information was out there and creating that accessibility, I was like, I have a platform, I have a skill set, and I have a voice, and it is important to use that to help bring awareness to the issues that are a problem both in our smaller communities and then, you know, global, because we're now seeing international protests. That means that, like, this is, this is a very big thing. The quote that really sticks with me is that anti-blackness is the only thing that's universal on Earth right now. I feel like this is the moment where I would snap, but... 
So I started putting this information together because, like like I said, I want people to be able to understand and to have these conversations. Accessibility is my like main inspiration as a writer. I want my language to be accessible and for it to be understood. It's less about having work that is like you know academically like superior to everything else <laughs> in the land because that's not really important to me. I think what's important is that the story is going out there and that's spreading and that people are starting to understand and see a different perspective. And that's impactful, it's important. When I started creating these resources and opening up these spaces for conversation, I realized that like, this is what I do as a writer. This is what writing is. We create history because we're telling that story. We're a part of this process because you need people to be like, this is what happened here and then, and these are the people who were impacted. This is how it led to this and that. and. That's just me being really grandiose about writing. I, I get really nerdy about how powerful storytelling is, actually. So you can stop me at any point. <laughs> so you basically incorporated it into your main like purpose in your writing in general. You know, like you were saying, you're a storyteller. You have a specific skill set giving a voice to certain things. And you just continued to do that based on what's going on in the world just because your blog is about kawaii fashion and pink energy doesn't mean that it's not also being affected by what's literally affecting you in the world yeah exactly i think people kind of forget how many people make up the like the alternative fashion community there's so many different types of people in that space now and jay fashion has grown we see this online on social media we see how far it's spread and there are voices within that community that I think really need to have a little more platform and have their stories be a part of this growing um, fashion community. And I mean, the BLM movement right now is, as you said, an international movement. It's something that will affect everything that everyone is doing. I don't see how it's possible to separate that from our hobbies when this is something that is so prevalent and necessary right now. Yeah, so there are black people within every niche and community. Even outside of J Fashion, you'll find that there's a black person who's in this very interesting niche that I don't know about. Like D&D, there's a lot of black players that play D&D, but like, do we see that? Do we see anything about that? I know that there's a lot of podcasts and stuff with people doing like live games and black people play those games too. I'm a dungeon master. I play with my siblings. So we exist in so many spaces and I think it's important that and in our immediate space, J Fashion, that we start acknowledging that there are different voices than what's the norm. So going from there, like you thought of this really clever acronym using the style term Decora. I know about it, but you know, for our listeners, like can you tell us what it stands for and means for you? And I also would like to add, uh, how did you come up with it? Because making an acronym for one of the already pre-existing J fashion terms, like, has never, ever crossed my mind. Like, I'm not good with acrostic poems, but... So that's what I'm good at. That's something that I have a skill set for, is acrostic poems. And I love wordplay, and I love language so much. Like, that's something that I've used in school. I use language as a way to remember things. It's a memory tool. So the Decora acronym that I created was Donate, Educate, Challenge, Observe, Reshare, and Act. So essentially it's just a way of arming yourself, like maybe internally or subconsciously, with a term to help you keep going forward for any movement. Because I think that this acronym can apply for not just Black Lives Matter, but like any activist space. You can use it as a way to like reaffirm what you need to do and be a better activist or ally. Yeah, I thought it was like really clever to put that together. And it kind of makes me think of the the acronym like PLUR. That's for like the candy raver, I guess, kids. Like peace, love, <laughs> unity, something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have, we've been using things like acronyms for a really long time now. Like even saying BLM, that's Black Lives Matter, that's an acronym. When I created it, um, I don't know, have you ever seen the BBC version of Sherlock? I used to back when I was in a, a young, small child in freshman, sophomore year of high school, and I didn't know what a good media was. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat in regards to share. Like, I mean, I, no hate or, or dislike, but um, 
something that like really stuck with me was his concept of the mind palace. And so I'm not saying that I have one, but I have like a like a mental I mean Jaded Island is my mental place, but like a mental wardrobe. When I made the acronym, it was like how would I accessorize in my mental wardrobe? And that's how the acronym came about cuz when I think of accessories, I think of decora, and that's how it all came about. <laughs> it's just a way to equip yourself for future activism and, and advocacy. And it just stuck and I and I really liked it and it helps. Like I, I'm still using it and I'm still using it as a way to educate others, even outside of our community. Damn it, Jade, because I now want to get this tattooed on my wrist. Like high key. I I love Kawaii tattoos already. And I I've always loved to have little things that help remind me of things throughout the day. Words and phrases like that have always really helped me get through things. And now that I am an active activist, because when I was younger, living with my parents, I couldn't do much. But becoming a better activist is something that's very important to me. And that is something that I would love to have on me always just to look at and remember and keep reminding myself of this is what I have to do and also a little nod to my love for J fashion forever and always honestly if you get a tattoo um before me I might be a little I might be a little upset I'm like how did you get it so fast I (laughs) will let you have that it is yours no no it's fine if anyone wants to get a tattoo of that that's fine I've seen uh, a couple artists use the acronym and um one person made bracelets like it's some Something that I sh- I shared with the world as a way to like to kind of hold yourself accountable and so if you can use it then do so and if you want to have it tattooed I'm I'm happy about that I'm probably gonna get one I don't know where it's gonna be but it- it'll exist at some point in my life yes yes we can we can share we can have our our decor tattoos and it will be solidarity I love it I'll put J.I. in the corner, like, sign J.I. to have you always on me and always with me. I, I feel like my mom would lose her lose her marbles if I told her that someone wanted to tattoo yes. a quote of mine on their body forever. I feel like she would just not believe me at all. Well, I will be proof. <laughs> so why do you think it is important to translate the general BLM message to the kawaii calm language. Like I said, this wouldn't have been something that I even thought about coming up with a acronym for it, like relating back to the Kauai community. For example, creating the Decora acronym and the quote, until you start protecting black lives from this violence, nothing in the world will be Kauai. It's funny you use that quote because I think my first one was, um, Oh, I'm so terrible, but like, it's because I get so, I have patience for the world, and then I also have impatience. I said bitches and bows are mad talent right now as if black alternatives don't exist in their community. I think I was just frustrated because I was seeing so much silence, and I wanted a way to like, not like scream, but like maybe like hold up a sign and be like, hello, black alternative people exist, and there's so many of us. And this is so important because this is like, this is a human rights issue and it needs to transcend past everything. Like we're, we're in a space and we're in a time where social change is like really, really important because it's 2020. Things need to change. And so I translated the movement in a way that was accessible to the community because I believe that language has a way of connecting people. And I just used something that was relevant to share my feelings and what I want to see different in the world. And I think that a part of that came out of the fact that, like, we do live in a very visual world where we're beautiful to look at in the J fashion community. Like, we're just so colorful and vibrant, but sometimes there's, like, a disconnect between aesthetic and reality. And knowing that, I had to find a way to bring our worlds together so that it would kind of just rile it up a little bit, start the little, the the kawaii ride uh, in a way. The fact that like a lot of the J fashion styles include pink and bright colors and primaries and things like that. And for some reason, once you start wearing those colors, people don't think it's like serious. You think we don't think about these things. Yes. They think we're like yes. children. They think like, whereas like if you wore like say punk clothes, that's connected to like, yeah, this is serious revolution. But wearing the pink and the and the colorful clothes, you can't be like that. Like it's like, oh, that's that doesn't have anything to do with that. 
that's not <laughs> like that's not true and it's not fair to us wearing the fashion because I think a lot of us do have revolutionary minds and, and goals and things like that and I just think again using language to connect the visuals in our community to that sort of like activist language is like yes we need more of that <laughs> my frustration is one with outsiders for uh, not knowing the activist roots of J fashion and insiders forgetting the activist roots because J fashion started as a way to rebel against Japanese beauty norms. And that is inherently feminist. That kind of rebellion is in our roots and we cannot forget about it. I uh, get so frustrated when outsiders hear people in the J fashion community talk about such serious issues and get surprised like, oh, I thought this would all just be, you know, crumpets and tea and macarons. And it's like, no, this is feminist. I am dressed the way I am because and for feminism. And we've said this before on our show, I think, and I know Kamila and I have discussed it many times with our friends, but our show has gotten criticized before for being political and for being so outspoken about these issues. And it baffles me that people can forget about where we came from and forget that J fashion is inherently political and that all alternative fashions are inherently political because they are alternative and they go against the norm and they have a statement to make. Exactly. I just I just want to scream it to the rooftops. Like many cups of coffee into the late hours I've spent like writing about how we have a lot of community issues within the alternative fashion spaces that need to be addressed and talked about, but we kind of lose track of having these discussions because we're so focused on our visuals. And I want to see that change, and I'm working on seeing that change. It's what I write about. But, like, I'm just one person. We need more We need more Kawaii journalism out there, you know? <laughs> I think there is another newer, like, uh, J Fashion podcast. We were looking for people to, like, kind of be like, oh, is there some other podcast out there that we can, like, work together with? And it was just, like, not very much documentation officially in the West beyond YouTube videos, I guess. I eat up your podcast every time an episode is dropped because like I, I need it so much. Like I need that rebellious spirit and that political conversation starter in the community. And I feel like the podcast is one of the few that I get it from. And then a couple of YouTube channels that I'm subscribed to. And of course, Cora. I, I have a lot of love for Cora. So. Well, Cora has a love for you. I'm going to quickly bring this up because Cora is one of our patrons and she asks, are you aware of how amazing you are? And I just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> Cora, I am, I am aware that you think that I'm amazing, but I am just your humble Maryland friend. And I'm just happy to have a lovely blogger friend like you. Aww, the sweetness. <laughs> Quickly bringing it back to something that you said, you talked about people like making change within the J fashion community. And I really resonate with that because as a media and content maker, media and content can only do so much. We can raise awareness, we can document, we can uplift other people's voices. But I recognize that we aren't making a lot of tangible change. Like we're changing minds, we're, we are conversation starters, but I want to see and I want to help other people start making that change, whether it's people helping others who are disabled in the community and helping them find better shoes or make better shoes that help them when they're walking or making kawaii walkers or stimming devices that are kawaii or more kawaii hijabs, like just making things accessible. I recognize that a podcast can only do so much and I want to see that tangible change and I am ready for it. We're all ready. We'll have a we'll have a lovely like little drinking party when we see the change that we want to see in, in the community. That yeah, that's the difficult part because yeah, we wanna like first raise awareness and make sure that people know about these issues, but we also wanna like see people make tangible changes, you know, things that we can be involved in events, spaces, respect for when people do bring up something that's uh, going on instead of just being like, no, you can't, this is supposed to be 
this tranquil escape place, you know, like actually support and listening to the person. That's definitely what we do want to see following this. The one thing that I will say that I think was absolutely phenomenal of the J fashion community was ousting the Lees in Texas from the community when the sexual assault allegations came out and then the DMCA that they gave Tyler from Scarfing Scarves. The Kauai and J fashion community went in on them and that was tangible change and that happened when I was first coming into my J fashion journey and that was what convinced me you know this is something that I want to be a part of this is tangible change and these people are active and they're trying to make our world and our community a better place. What has been the response to your activism from the community so far? I've looked at some of your posts and seen some of the responses, but I know you have a more first-hand opinion on what's the overall response that you're getting. I think I would consider it mixed response. It's like both positive and bad. Some of the positives is that people are inspired to share resources and share the work like in in case of the black lives matter movement sharing my work is a part of like the amplify black voices tag so that was very important and i really appreciated that a lot that people were reading my work and engaging with it another community created their own acronym inspired by mine um the be idol i'm not too deep into the idol community but i recognize that that was their way of you know being a part of the social change Outside of that, I've gotten a lot of questions. I, that is very uh, energy taxing for me to answer all these questions all at once, but I, I do my best. I have patience for education, but not patience for ignorance. There's also empathy. Like I would say that there's also a lot of empathy as well. Um, people that are in the black alternative fashion spaces have also talked with me one-on-one -on -one, and I've, I've had moments of grief and mourning with members of the community and it's both beautiful and heartbreaking that we share this experience and that we now, we see that like we're all sharing this space and some people are just catching up to that, you know? <laughs> I'm frustrated that you've been getting any negative response at all and I want to smack people. <laughs> Honestly, it would be appreciated because like it, it's, it's exhausting. I've never had so much social media interaction in my life and I'm seeing comments that are less than enthused about my activism and that's exhausting for me and it's it's a lot it's it's very heavy and I have more days when I'm crying than not and I I'm barely getting through just to have coffee my my little journal and a couple issues of manga to help get me through things yeah definitely because once you start getting a lot of attention it goes out of your like circle and into the circle of people that one, do not know you at all as a person. And then two, they feel defensive because obviously they're the people being silent maybe. And they're like, what, what, uh, is she talking about me? There's, she's saying that I should be saying something, you know? And it's just like- Yeah, I mean, within our own community, I saw a few comments and I was just like, if it doesn't apply to you, then it shouldn't make you angry. It should actually inspire you to be like, yeah, this person's correct. <laughs> you shouldn't have to deal with white tears. I've been dealing with a lot of it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna censor that for this podcast. I've been dealing with a lot of white tears since people started seeing more of my work. And I've been writing about um, being a black femme and that experience for quite some time. So like this work is not new to me, but it's new to other people. And dealing with other people's guilt about not being aware is exhausting and it's taxing. And Unfortunately, there's no pink filter for that. <laughs> like the exhaustion is definitely real. <laughs> right, and you have to like kind of think like, what requests for comment am I going to take and which ones I am not? You want to be the voice, you want to be the beacon. Also, you're only, again, one person and for them to be making it like, you need to answer for everything. It's like not your responsibility. I mean, being, if I'm helping someone, then that's fine, and I don't mind being a voice to kind of guide you in the right direction, but I can't hold your hand the whole way. At some point, you're going to have to challenge yourself and hold yourself accountable and do the work on your own. Like, it can't just be me 
tossing all these things at you and then you just not doing anything with it. I think people need to look at it the same way as getting into J fashion and learning your style and building up over time. The amount of research and time and money that went into collecting these things for your Lolita outfit and finally like going from Ida to veteran or whatever, put that same sort of energy and tactics into learning about how to be a better ally. You know, because you're reading books on the style and getting all the magazines. That's what you need to be doing. You didn't, you didn't just ask one friend and then that friend did everything for you. I'm saying, if you can look on eBay for something that um, hasn't been in stock for like six years, then I'm sure you can look up how to be anti-racist on Google. Like, it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> and, you know, plenty of articles. Like, if I was looking to get into a style, I, I don't look towards one person and then sapping all their energy being like, oh, okay, let me show them this outfit. Let, them, let me show them this thing that I'm trying to buy. Let me show, like, you, you can't do that. And so you just got to think about it in those terms. Just like, oh, okay, maybe ask one person a few questions and then think like, okay, I'm going to take that and then I'm going to do some research on my own. So it, it's not really that crazy to do. And on the note of people wanting to help on that positive response to your activism. One of our patrons, Messy Toy Box, asks, how can we make our local comms more inclusive? And as we talked with Hannah last month, uh, I know this is a very loaded question, uh, but just as best as you can, uh, to the best of your abilities, how can we make the local comms more inclusive? Making sure that your community is inclusive, I think that at every level, your leadership should reflect what your community looks like. Does that make sense? <laughs> when creating a community, and my friend um, Roxy with some Moxie was telling me, she's like, you're really good at drawing people together and creating community. And I told her, I think the reason why that is, is because I'm, I'm really invested in creating brave spaces, not safe spaces. There is a difference. So like a safe space, you can know that you're okay in that space, but a brave space means that you're feeling safe enough to actually talk and engage and have these conversations. And I think that comm should create more of a brave space than a safe space so that people feel comfortable to talk about their experiences and their stories and don't like have to worry about being ridiculed or things being dismissed or erased. No toxic positivity. Yeah, I, I'm really, I just can't stand toxic positivity. It's the bane of my existence at this point. <laughs> Yeah, that does um, kind of feed into that whole gatekeeping conversation we were having before of just like having these spaces where nobody speaks up about like, hey, but actually there is a, a general look to this style and you can't just say anything is Lolita, <laughs> you know, even though this is a, you know, positive space and everything like that. And Bringing that to this topic, no one should have to feel nervous about saying, hey, this person who is very prominent in the local comms has said some racist shit to me. There shouldn't be that fear to disrupt some waters. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. I think that if you know that your leader is problematic in any sense when the community has members that would be immediately affected by that, then we need to start challenging that. Outside of brave spaces, you can have like resources and things like that, but it's also important to avoid silence about really important matters. That's why my first quote was like, bitches and bows are really silent right now. And I'm like, why is that? Like, why are you being quiet in a space that really, silence is violence. So there is no room for that right now. And I think in our local communities, especially in the J fashion sense, that we're really silent when we really need to not be, especially with such a loud fashion, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think also if you're in any place of like leadership, moderating a forum or group or something like that, if you're able to add things to the rules about no discrimination, no this thing and be specific about it and then have your moderators like act on that when those conversations and voices do come up like support the poster <coughs> closet of frills <coughs> <laughs> way to just add them like that <laughs> yeah like you just you gotta back up like because you're not gonna be able to have like every single person 
that's in your group or community be like, oh, I'm non-racist or, you know, I'm not fat phobic. If those things do crop up, you got to make sure that they're being addressed, taken down, you know, not just like left to like, oh, fester with no comment from leadership of the group at all. And then anybody who's making these like those mood pages, please include more black people and other types of body sizes in those pages. Exactly. It's just like a sea of just like white faces being like, oh, this is my fairy bubblegum page. And it's just like, yep, just a sea of white faces that are like, okay, yeah, they're good at the style, but there's other people that exist too. So if you're running one of those pages or if you're following one of those pages and you don't feel like you're seeing diversity in it, post a little comment and be like, hey, I don't see anyone who looks like me or my friends on this page. Why is that? Or here are people that I think that you should share or follow or something like that. Because I think like showing that we're in the scene, being more visible, like we're here, I, and that being consistent, not just hey, this is going on right now, so I'm going to share all of the Black people that I follow right now and then never again. Oh my goodness. It's so funny you bring that up because let me just be real with you guys right now. The February campaign for the 28 slash 29 days of Black J fashion, that started re-popping up again in my analytics and I'm like, that's good and all, but also there's so many Black alternative fashion people in the community and if you're only following like I don't know 10 that's that's low that's rookie numbers to me (laughs) so you need to step it up and we've been existing in these spaces for quite some time when I first got into J fashion I immediately started beelining for any content from people that look like me and then once I found that I started branching out I look for people of other races of other body types I wanted to see the fashion in a way that I want to see humanity. I want to see diversity in all spaces. Now that we're seeing such an influx of like, wow, look at all these black creators and we're sharing their content. um, Is that going to stop once the movement is quote unquote, not trending anymore? Because we're still going to be existing in these spaces. And there are other ethnicities and races that are also existing in these spaces as well. Like it shouldn't just stop once it's not a hashtag anymore. It should be a lifelong thing of like diversifying your feed and honestly call out people who've never once engaged with anybody that's a person of color on their content in any sense or fashion. Because they're getting away with it. They're getting away with that sort of silence and erasure. And that's not okay, especially for our community. Thinking back to when we were talking about the release by Cutso and they were talking about the different models being used for the release. And so I did some fan art illustrations for it using my characters compared to the models that were actually chosen. It was just like, hey, these don't match up. Why isn't there more people of color involved in this? Why aren't there more black people? Why aren't there a variety of sizes? That seems strange and I don't like it. Noticing that and then saying something about it and it not just being the black person or the person who's plus size saying it, just like everyone kind of coming together and be like, hey, we noticed something. Maybe look at that. So that's a form of long-term activism is when you do things like that on a regular basis. And I mean, yes, it's going to be exhausting, but that's also important to social change. Like don't normalize mediocrity, challenge that stuff, start a riot. (laughs) So yeah, so I think that's kind of a way of like keeping things inclusive, just noticing, being more aware of your surroundings. Making sure, as we said, you call stuff out and you take action. Don't forget that A in Decora because all too often people are like, oh yeah, I see it and like, yeah, she's problematic, but I still like her stuff. And it's like, okay, but are you gonna like talk to them about it? Are you gonna like try to challenge that? Like awareness isn't the stopping point. We need to do something about it. This would actually be a really good time to talk about performative activism because that's the flip side of the coin. (laughs) You could get right into that. What is that phenomenon and how can we avoid it? I don't want to be mean to the people who posted the little black squares, but I'll I'll use that as the example. But performative activism is essentially activism or displays of advocacy that is very surface level and 
mostly done to increase social capital because like I said this is not this is not a trend this is a movement performative activism is basically just hopping in on that like that social clout train and I don't need you to hop in on the, tr- the social cloud train. I need you to be on that long-term activism, not anything that's in the short term. So it's not just, you know, sharing my work today. It's about the long term of it. And so to avoid performative activism, going back to the Decora acronym, educating yourself is a way of ensuring that you're growing as a person for the better, challenging the people around you, whether it be in your s- smaller communities, at home, family, friends, that's important. That's a part of that process. What we're observing is social change. And when you're just doing it for like a week, that's that's not activism. That's just doing it for a trend or doing it for some social clout. It's more than a black square. It's, it's so much work. And I understand that that can be really exhausting. But it's important to know that these people who are affected immediately by this problem are dealing with it on an everyday basis. We are surviving, as a Black femme right now, I'm surviving trauma, seeing this trauma every single day. It's an everyday occurrence, and I'm fighting because, like, this is immediately affecting me every single day. I'm fighting for myself, for my family, for my friends. Doing it for a week is not going to do anything. This has been a, a very long-term problem. We're, we're at centuries, actually, if you really think about it. <laughs> America has a lot of work to do. <laughs> Yeah, and it can be overwhelming to think about, like, because it's one thing to just get the general populace on your side, but it's another thing to actually, like, the systemic changes are rooted so deeply. We need so much support in order to make real long-lasting change. And my fear is that, you know, we're starting to see the very tip of the iceberg of that systemic change. And my fear is that primarily white people and other people of color who aren't black are going to see that very tip of the iceberg and say, okay, we did it. We're done. People are going to become lethargic far too quickly and things are gonna go back to quote normal to how things were before and nothing is going to change. And I cannot stand if that will happen. If that happens, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah, one of my fears right now is that, like, all this work that I've been doing for quite some time now is going to be for nothing because we're going to regress back into this sort of, like, stagnant pool in the in the J fashion and alternative fashion spaces. And that's a really big fear of mine. It's so rooted, like, in my soul right now. Like, I don't want to do this work and then tomorrow see that these people are still doing, like, the same shit just on a different day. I, I want to see change. I don't want to see, I don't want to see performance. I want to see change. So what have you learned from your activism? Like you said, you've been doing this for such a long time. Uh, what have you learned from it and your blog that we can use to raise awareness about other issues that plague our community, whether it's ableism or colorism, racism, ageism, homophobia, transphobia, what are the biggest tools and the biggest things that you have learned up until this day? Social media is such a such a fickle friend. I think what's really important going forward for our community is to amplify the voices that don't get that platform. For any movement or advocacy that you do, make sure that you are sharing resources from someone who's closer to the source, if that makes sense. Uh, Something that really irritated me today, actually, was the best-selling book on, I think, Amazon right now is a book on um, racism written by a a white man, white cis man, and and it's like, that's irritating. Like, listen to the voices from the people that are affected. That's what I've learned from this movement, like, right now in this present time, is that it is so important to listen to those voices and to continue to do so. And by doing that, you can have these conversations, you can be a part of that social change and you can make this a very long-term like life thing you can grow from this um creating the acronym yes it's cute and also wildly important but you can do the same thing whatever you need to do to make change do it like don't have it be just on one person or one podcast you can take that step if you can get dressed in the morning and go outside and take a picture in your cute little court, you can also do this. It's it's a lifetime thing. And I just hope that going forward, you let voices be out there that really represent the community. 
And don't be afraid to do things that you can't post on Instagram. You know, volunteer, write letters, make phone calls, speak to your family members, you know, be active in a friend's life, um, supporting them uh, when they are going through grievances about this. Not everything has to be a photo op. Right. Like, I understand that, like, we do live in a very visual community right now, but, like, even if it is a photo op, you can still use that to your advantage. There's one Instagrammer that I'm following, and she's dressing in Lolita, and she's holding up signs for the movement, and that's beautiful. I love that. Like, that's that's the peak sort of rebellion that I want to see in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, just be really thoughtful about what message you want to put out there and why you're posting this and what difference you think that that will make. Yeah, and I, and I don't know what the future of this will, like, look like, because it's like, yeah, I don't want performative activism, but it's also like, oh, well, how do I know that? So that is all the questions that we have for you today, Jade. Thank you so much for talking about this with us. I recognize that this is a topic that is very emotionally and mentally draining. So I, I, from the depths of my heart, thank you for talking about it with us. Uh, where can our listeners find you and your content? Everything that is pink and me will be at Jaded Island. And Jaded Island is one word, not two words. It's no spaces, just Jaded Island. And then my website is www.jadedisland.com. You'll know you're you're there because it's, it's very pink. And if you guys are interested in hearing more from Jade, head on over to our Patreon, become a $3 a month patron. We are going to be talking with Jade about decompressing and self-care after heavy activism. And with that, this has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And I'm Jade. We will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.